Hey, everyone. <laughs> I thought you were going to say my name's Nick. Hey, everyone. My name is Nick. My name is Kat. Thanks for tuning in to our very first episode of our new podcast, Made for You and Me. This first episode will discuss the creation of the National Park Service. Let's get started. Yeah, so we're really excited. We both love nature um, and the planet and are into national parks as a topic and wanted to start a podcast to educate more people about this really amazing, unique service that we have in our country. It's uh, really ironic, but I have actually never been to a national park. Which I don't know if I want people knowing, but that's okay. I think you can still love you can still love national parks without having and be been. poor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right, you're right. I have the calendars. <laughs> I'm doing plenty of research. I think that they're wonderful. But um, yeah, now I'm going to be able to do the research and kind of base my plans on education of where I want to go and not just where the most popular ones are, which I'm really excited you, about. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Good point. Um, so we thought that it would only make sense to start off this series with an episode about the creation of the National Park Service in the United States and how national parks came to be. So most every episode that we will be doing will be about a specific park, but obviously we need to know how it all began. Yeah, which is um, a long beginning. You would think it's just like it starts, but it doesn't. There's a, a <laughs> lot of moving parts, and it's it's really all over the place. Well, it's a lot of land, so... You're right, you're right. Uh, but just like doing research, I was like going back and forth, like from people and locations and dates and like, uh, it was it was everywhere. So my notes are a little... I try to make them as organized as possible, but um, there's a lot going on here for sure. Yeah, I feel like being an American settler and being like the first people to find these things would have, I mean, would have been awesome, but no wonder there's so many parts to this story because so many people were probably just very interested. Yeah, for sure. And excited about it, just like we are. Exactly. <laughs> um, but also before we dive in, we wanted to make a statement acknowledging that much of the history surrounding national parks uh, is similar to the greater history uh, of the United States. Um, that it's been told through a lens that has primarily served uh, the white population. Um, and some of the key people involved in founding the national parks, um, which we do think that the National Park Service is worth celebrating and revering today, hence why we're doing a podcast. Um, but a lot of these people in the, in the history of, of starting the national parks did support a system that marginalized and oppressed minority races. Yeah, so there there are the obvious long stories about, as Nick mentioned, suppression and relocation of peoples, but that's not what we're going to get into today. That's for a later date. So um, today we're just going to give you a 500,000 foot broad historical background that it's not going to get too into the details of racism, but we do want to recognize that these were victims of violence and discrimination during this whole process, and it is already heavy on both of our hearts. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and something that I'm going to try to do during this first episode is refer to Americans as American settlers, because I think naturally during our conversation of this first episode, we're going to talk about the difference between peoples who were already on said lands and 
how the federal government made those lands for different uses. Um, a lot of times with very conflicting morals and ideals to to honor some of those people that were already on these lands. Um, I'm going to do my best to refer to the Americans as American settlers because they were not there first. Yeah, it's really interesting how the American settlers were like, oh, this is beautiful. We should protect it. Like everyone has been for the beginning of yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was going to bring that up later, but it's it's like kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. Like it had already been so well preserved for so long. Um, so noble to have that idea, but yeah, people had already been like doing really great with it already. Well, let's get started. Okay, cool. Dive in. So um, prior to the 19th century, most Europeans and Americans, so the American settlers were mostly from Europe. Uh, they viewed nature solely as a resource for food and clothing and shelter. And in Europe, even before the um, revolutionary times, the earliest attempts at nature preservation were centered upon people wanting to conserve trees for timber and just for the sole purposes of building things um, and conserve wildlife just for the sole purposes of hunting and eating uh, what they hunted. And that's uh, super ironic because where Nick and I are actually recording from, we actually, uh, the area has a huge industry in sending timber to Europe currently to use as fuel because they have done such a poor job of protecting their timber and uh, basically all of their land. So they have done a great job of um, urbanizing Europe, (laughs) but not so much of protecting those lands for long periods of time, which... uh, I just found really fascinating that we we took that idea from them, but they haven't done so well with it. Yeah, a little ironic. (laughs) Um, So that being said, land conservation wasn't a new idea for American settlers, but what was new was the reason for conserving the land. And uh, when it comes to national parks, that reason is primarily just because these places are so stunning. Yeah. And they're really fun to look at. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people have as the background of their laptop that have never been to them, i.e. me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, these are like some incredible places to literally just like sit and stare. Like you don't even need to go on hikes or do any type of like crazy excursions. You just arrive and you're just in awe immediately. Well, it's, have you seen the girl who does reviews, the one-star reviews of National Parks? No. <laughs> it's really funny, but yeah. Um, she just makes new National Park uh, posters out of the one-star reviews. Like, it was just a bunch of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll take it with a grain of salt. Anyone that's listening to this is in awe of yeah. nature. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Going back to, to land conservation and, and that being something that was a new idea for American settlers. Um, There were a few things that made Americans even pay attention to the West, uh, where most of today's national parks are and what ignited the movement, which being from North Carolina is a little bit insulting to me because I, and obviously where you're from, you have more pride in it. Um, But being from North Carolina and specifically uh, a state that has the Great Smoky Mountains and the Blue Ridge Parkway, I'm like, why was this idea not thought of even earlier because that alone is is like is is stunning and is worth protecting i mean there is a national park in that area uh anyway but but i'm kind of i'm kind of like well why did it take people going to literally the exact opposite end of the country to 
come up with this idea of of protecting the land just for the sole purpose of it being inspiring. Yeah, probably because of where they started. I mean, think about Plymouth Rock. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. They, well, in Florida, there's some some pretty places in Florida, but woof, there's some hot places too. I can't imagine being like, oh, we should preserve this. Yeah. Probably like, I'm trying to get away. I want to argue that some of the, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful art out west and in yeah. California and Montana um, and Utah regions. But just a little shout out to the <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. the Appalachian Mountains over for here. Sure, for they're, sure. They're definitely beautiful in their own right. But when when people were starting to pay attention to these incredible places out west, some of that took place because of 19th century writers. They started to popularize transcendentalism through their works. And I had to like really do some research on transcendentalism and I'm still not entirely sure <laughs> all of what it is. It's really complicated. Um, it's, it's really like tricky to understand. But what I got from it was that it was a major movement that proposed new philosophies and ways of understanding spirituality and just general ways of thinking. And that included drawing a connection between nature and the divine which I can totally understand. So I, I think a lot of what it did um, encouraged people to experience a sense of spirituality through nature's beauty. And that was promoted mainly by um, some of these self-proclaimed transcendentalist writers like uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. Uh, and they began to romanticize nature in their, in their literature. And that got a lot of people paying attention to nature. Uh, but it didn't really propose any ideas to set apart any of these places um, different from what people had already seen. Did I say well, Ralph Waldo Emerson? <laughs> you did. Okay. That's okay because you said transcendentalism. <laughs> I can't say that one now. It's hard But one. yeah, that's a hard one. But I mean, how in the world? I mean, we're, we're living and recording during a pandemic right now. And so I feel like we might have this whole, a new transcendentalism <laughs> movement Nailed when it. people are, you know, they're getting out and about because they just want to get away from whomever they live with. But um, yeah, I, I can't believe it. It took that long for the, the writings to talk about how nature can in your soul, basically. Yeah. That's, um, That's a great point. But Henry David Thoreau, like we, I think we stayed at an Airbnb recently and we traded a book we had in the car for Walden Pond. <laughs> because <laughs> we were like, yeah, we really want that one. So we did a little trade off. But yeah, some of my heroes, some of the reasons why, you know, I even, I even think about nature in the way that I do where it's like you can get away from everything, which right. is kind of what all of this is about, right? Isn't being able to walk and forget that your cell phone could be going off in your car because you're so far away from it, mm -hmm. which is nice. You're That's right. That's awesome. Um, so now that we have gotten down the correct pronunciation for transcendentalism, <laughs> um, what do you think about taking a, taking a quick break? I think that would be great. Cool. We'll be back. Transcendentalism. <laughs> Okay, so we left off talking about, let's all say it together, transcendentalism um, and how it got a lot of people excited about nature, but didn't really present clear ideas about how to preserve nature. 
Yeah, yeah. So this is where Nick and I in our research really found out that there's there's a lot to the story. So, so pretty much, much everywhere on. you look, yeah, there's like a different... I mean, it's not even like a different story. It's a different aspect to the same story. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about people moving west, which, which totally meant that um, not only did they realize things were beautiful... But they they saw money. They saw money not only in the gold rush um, that was occurring, but also that they could utilize this land for some sort of tourism business. Right. So there's this um, gentleman, James Hutchins, Hutchins, and his wife Elvira, which is <laughs> such a great That's name. Such a great name. <laughs> um, and they were um, living in what we now consider Yosemite. And it was basically, they had a hotel there and they were the welcoming party for all of the people who were traveling west and seeing Yosemite for the first time. Um, they're they're pretty cool. I mean, uh, we're gonna talk about this a few times, but James, uh, he, he thought a lot of himself. He thought he was an enterprising carpenter, gold miner, journalist, and obviously a, a hotel owner. He did it all. Yeah, yeah, so. You know Myra. <laughs> Ran the damn thing. You know, Elvira did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so and, and to you know to that point, basically, uh, James heard that there was this waterfall. It was like uh, nearly a thousand feet high. I'm gonna butcher this name, much like I will do most things on this podcast. But Mary posts up Italians is the name of the waterfall, and uh, so he hired two indigenous people to take him to the site and show him around. Yeah. That's kind of what um, some websites consider the first person to. I love how they they always say like created or invented. Yeah. How can you create or invent a, a place? It's weird. I I read I read some articles that said um, that they proved the existence, and I thought that was a good way to put it. I mean, like they proved it to the rest of the public. I mean, but there should be another word for this. I get, Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, but I mean, but I mean, like also. Whenever I think about like the Grand Tetons or Yosemite Valley, I'm like, no, I would want someone to like prove that because if you're just describing it, but with like all the access to like millions of pictures and all the proof that we have of it, if like someone was describing this incredible, incredible place that you just like couldn't even fathom, I would want people to to prove its existence to me, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess to so. some people. Um, but yeah, so. James, he actually hired a um, a man that you probably know and love if you're listening to this podcast, John Muir. So John Muir is kind of famous it's a for, big deal. yeah, like basically whatever the word is, creating, inventing Yosemite. But he <laughs> was uh, hired by this other gentleman who had been there and already, I mean, he made a hotel. So anyway, and so uh, John actually created a sawmill. He built a sawmill for James Hutchins. So when you think about the history of Yosemite, which we'll talk about in a second, was not the first national park, but was actually one of the first... Um, preserved areas i mean who like who do you talk about there's so many people there's also a little girl who wrote home about it there's so many people i don't know and that's like when a lot of my research was just like so all over the place because like you get into talk about like a wikipedia black hole like you're on one page (laughs) researching something and then you click on this person and you click on this expedition and you click on this act and it's just like so insane so again gonna emphasize we're giving you all a very broad aerial (laughs) view 
of this history and we will encourage you to go do some of this research or go watch a YouTube video on something specific that that really strikes your interest. Um, but there's uh, there's a lot to it. And I think that everyone did a good job of documenting what they did and, and the history. I mean, again, from their point of view, um, which isn't always right. But as far as what we were able to research, um, even though there were so many people doing so many things, it's all out there and they are done at like different decades and for different reasons, but basically a, a ton. Yeah, John Muir did it better than Hutchins. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. So Hutchins is all like jealous of him because of exactly what you said. Like he, he gets all the attention. Basically right now, like Hutchins would be the person who's, you know, doing a painting and John Muir is like Snapchatting it and getting like all the followers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> but where would we be today without that? Um, so yeah, I think um, you did a little bit about Yosemite as well, or I, I, I started the whole Yosemite train here. Yeah. So I couldn't really figure out exactly. I mean, other than it's just beautiful, exactly what the attraction was specifically to Yosemite, other yeah, than yeah, all these other places. Either. Because, like I said, like it's the very furthest you can go yeah. on the American continent and in the United States. So I think it's I, I, I just think it's interesting that people must have seen a ton of other places before they, you know, like before right. they saw Yosemite. It's like you had to go through like so many other really cool places. So I still am unclear on what the draw was specifically to Yosemite to ignite this whole movement. Glad it took place, and I can understand because Yosemite is so awesome. But but yeah, I mean I mean it's interesting that Yosemite was the first protected area and the first state park, but um, but that Yellowstone was actually the first national park. And it's but as far as like going west, or Yellowstone is is a good deal before Yosemite, is it not? Right. No. And so I you know it was President Lincoln who actually who actually preserved Yosemite in whatever form that was. And so thinking about that, like, I'm just thinking, you know, the the Pony Express or something. So yeah. maybe people, like, were holding on to their last scraps of paper from Yellowstone to Yosemite. So when they finally, like, wrote home to Abe Lincoln, they were like, this is important. That, that was the last thing on their mind. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Like, it's the last thing that they saw. So they were, like, still jazzed about it. Maybe. Sure, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were running out of uh, quill link, so they had to wait until right. they got back <laughs> right. somewhere that they could do that. I, I'm not sure. Who knows? They might have had the internet by then, and my brain history is not great. But that's what we're doing today. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do better when we're talking about nature, I promise. So um, it was 1890, an act of Congress created Yosemite as a national park. And the Half Dome and the giant sequoias were there. John Muir, obviously. And um, it paved the way for generations of hikers and campers. And actually, this is where the Don't Feed the Bear signs came from. Like, that far back. Oh, wow. Isn't that funny? Cool. Yeah. Uh, did you say 1890? Uh, it says 1890. Oh, okay. Cool, yeah, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's yeah, a national yeah, park. yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Um, well, let's go back a little yeah, bit and talk see. about my man named George Catlin. <laughs> um, so at the top of the episode, we talked about how 
um, minority groups were greatly discriminated against. Um, and this guy, George Catlin, who is kind of similar to um, James Hutchings in that he is a self-proclaimed everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we'll give it to him. You can have it, George. Um, of all trades. <laughs> but he was a painter and a novelist and a lawyer too. But he... And a miniaturist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a professional traveler, apparently. Like he, he just like is known for travels, which that's pretty cool. But in the 1830s on a trip to the Dakotas, he w- got worried about the impact of America's westward expansion on Native American civilization, as well as wildlife and just the wilderness as a whole. Um, So in one of the books that he published, this one is actually called Letters and Notes on the Manners, Customs, and Condition of the North American Indians. Um, In that book, Catlin described how Native Americans were being paid by American settlers to hunt buffalo just for their skin. Uh, which, as we all know, is a major contrast to what Native Americans are known for, which is using every part of an animal that they killed for a, a multitude of, of things. So Have you use... ever eaten buffalo? No, I haven't. It's delicious. <laughs> it's like it's like a mind. non-fatty beef. Well, it's, it's amazing. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that Native Americans would agree with you, but they also <laughs> use the bones and they use the hide and they used every single part of it. Um, nothing went to waste. But these American settlers really liked the buffalo skin. Um, so they were hi- hiring Native Americans to go kill the buffalo. And then the rest, uh, after they would be skinned, the rest of it would just be completely discarded. That's so lame. It's really lame um, and really sad. And just like so, I, d- I just don't know how you can justify like, that's cool. It's a huge animal. It's a huge animal. Yeah, and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, were they not hungry? Cat really loves some buffalo. I mean, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> um, yeah, but so George Catlin was was noticing that um, both buffalo and Native Americans and their way of life was going extinct. So he is credited with really having the first idea for a national park. Um, and a quote from one of his from his book that we already mentioned said, "What a beautiful and thrilling specimen for America to preserve and hold up to the view of her refined citizens in the world in future ages, a national park containing man and beast in all the wild and freshness of their nature's beauty." Uh, so, after that was published, it just became uh, universally accepted by historians that he was the first one to ever formally mention the idea of a national park Hmm. but the reason for him deciding or having the the thought that these peoples and lands needed to be protected is again like really upsetting and ironic right because this is because 1941 when he published this book was just like a decade after the indian removal act of 1830 and that led to the infamous trail of tears um Mm -hmm. but like how kat said um it on one hand you're like okay cool for these people to to say yeah we need to recognize this land for what it is and protect and preserve it but also people had been there for so long and it was still in pristine condition 
Yeah, I almost mentioned this back um, when we were talking about the transcendentalism, too. Mm. I mean, that is so Native American, um, like, culture and even what we would consider religion. Yeah. I mean, that's everything has a spirit. Everything is alive, including rocks and trees and things like that. I'm not going to start singing Colors of the Wind, but, like... If you did, I, I'd be here for it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it is... It is just one of those things. Of, and, of course, like, we came in and ruined it and then said that we did something great. But this uh, George Catlin did a great job of encompassing a lot of a lot of the land, a lot of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, his artwork, it, it, I mean, it has something, <laughs> something missing. I don't know. It's not great art. But, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's in the Smithsonian. I guess I can't really. <laughs> I can't compare. But I'm just saying, there's, I, I'm not going to write home about it. But I'm glad someone did it because, I mean, clearly not a lot of people were respecting this culture. I can't pronounce any of these names. It it, sound, it looks like the way that I'm pronouncing transcendentalism. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even um, trying to pronounce. Yeah, that would be offensive. Yeah, so if you have the time to Google George Callan and some of his paintings, um, he immortalized um, some Native American figures. And, I mean... Like Kat said, they're not her favorite paintings, but way more than, like, way, way better than I could ever do. Like, I'm not one to judge. Um, Also, in everything I read, they made a point to point out that he was a self-taught painter, which I guess that's just throwing him a bone, but but I I think they're just fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I can tell... Also, I guess you didn't have, like, the the stuff that we have today, like, all the different, like, brushes and colors and things. Okay, so he he did a great job (laughs) with what he had. Yeah. Um, So what Kat was saying earlier about um, Yosemite being... uh, Kat, like, really jumped the gun here. She was really really getting into Yosemite in these days. Um, But, yeah, Yosemite was uh, made into a national park um, in 1890, but... In 1864, it became the first official protected land. So Americans really appreciated the incredible Yosemite Valley and agreed it should be recognized for what it was. So some California senators sponsored a bill to transfer Yosemite Valley to the state of California on the condition that they would, in quotes, be held for public use, resort, and recreation, inalienable for all time. It's almost like... The baby made for you and me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, which I just think is is really cool that it said in this language that it's it, it's set aside just to be used for resort and recreation other than that it's just so amazing. Yeah, think of where we would be today, like what we would have probably done to all of this space if it wasn't protected. And like that's pretty long time ago, eighteen sixty four. I mean, that's we would have some generations. It. Yeah. yeah, I think that Yosemite, um, in, in my mind, it really is the first national park, even though it's not the technical first one. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, and I mean, it's and it was actually a, a big jump until we get to the next little bit with the Yellowstone Act. Exactly. So, Kat, this is what I'm thinking. Um, since we've already been going for a little bit now, um, what if we just made the first episode of the creation of the national parks into two episodes? Ooh. Give ourselves a break. Give our listeners a break um, from us just 
rambling and yeah, stumbling get it over together our words. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I think that would be great for all parties involved. Uh, so we're leaving off on 1864 and the creation of Yosemite State Park, I guess. Um, and we'll come back uh, and be ready to talk about the rest of the creation of the National Park Service. That wraps up our first episode. Cool. Thanks for listening to us. Again, this is Nick and Kat with Made for You and Me, an educational and entertaining podcast about national parks in the United States. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was live. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. We will see you soon. Thanks. Thank you.